Welcome to Manly Movies, where guys get together to shoot the breeze and talk about their favorite movies and the lessons they teach us about being a man. Just a quick intro, as always, I'm JB. I'm a husband, the father of two, a son, and a brother. I'm no expert on any of those things, but I do the best that I can. And I have a passion for film and a passion for discipleship. So why not mix the two? Movies can teach us a lot about life, and that's what I want to dive into. So let's get started. Joining me today is my friend Curry Morris. Curry, what's going on, man? Hey, man. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I'm glad to have you on. I met Curry on the Feeling Film Facebook groups. Uh, yep. That seems to be a recurring theme on this show. Uh, <laughs> that's where everybody meets everybody, apparently. But it's all good. Uh, Curry, why don't you tell us what you've been watching recently? Maybe some recommendations or things that really kind of new discoveries or whatnot. So. This is when I'm really happy that I log everything on Letterboxd, because <laughs> I'm like, wait, what have I been watching? Most recently, I've been taking my wife through the John Wick series, because she's never seen them, and that, that is a favorite of mine in the action movie realm. And we started the third one, but we haven't finished it yet, because it now takes several nights to finish one movie, <laughs> because when you have kids, that's just how it goes. Other than that, recently I've been, I just saw Shang-Chi in The Legend of the Ten Rings. That was really good. I definitely recommend that if you're a Marvel fan. And something I'm kind of slowly working through was going through the Scorpion King sequels, but they're proving to be a little difficult because they're not great. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep, I don't get to watch as much as I used to, but kind of slowly chugging through those right now. Nice. I've been going through a lot of stuff that I, like rewatches lately. Um, I seem to do that a lot, too, because it's just easier sometimes to put on something comforting, you know? Yeah, for sure. But then a few of the things that I, that I could mention were like, you know, Stallone movies that I'm going to talk about later. So we'll just kind of move mm -hmm. on from that. I hope my wife and I just recently watched this. He's all that, which is basically a kind of a remake of the 1999 classic with Rachel Lee Cook and Fred Cook Jr. And, mm -hmm. and the late Paul Walker. It's, it's not a good movie by any stretch, but it, <laughs> there's so much nostalgia when we were watching it. Sure. Because, you know, Rachel Lee Cook is on there. Matthew Lillard is on there. The two people from the original. They play different characters, but it's, it's still funny that they're on there. But it's cool. They, they still play some of the same music, so it's it's very nostalgic. And we enjoyed it. It was a fun date night. Yeah. One, is the kid is one of the kids from Cobra Kai in that? Yes, yes. The kid from the, okay. the Johnny's son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, I remember, I think I saw that you logged in on Letterbox when I was on there the other day. Yeah. It's, it's not bad. I mean, it's, it's a good hour and a half to spend your time with, with sure. especially if it's like a date night or whatever. Uh, yeah. Not something that you're going to watch by yourself. Right. <laughs> so, but another one, another date night movie that really kind of blew me away. I had never seen it. It was uh, The Upside of Anger. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. Have you not? It was from 2005, and it's got Kevin Costner, and I'm a big fan of Kevin Costner's baseball movies. Oh, um, yeah. Like, huge Field of Dreams, For Love of the Game, Bull Durham, like, I just, I love them all. But then I was looking them up, like, you know, I did a Google search one time, like, how many baseball movies have, has he been in, and they mentioned this one as being, like, the third of the trilogy, and they didn't even mention Field of Dreams because he didn't actually play in that movie, but this oh, is... okay. These are the, the three movies where he was actually a professional baseball player. But this isn't about baseball. He's a retired player. It, it does talk about it a lot, but mm -hmm. it's it's basically a rom-com, but it's very different from any rom from 
any rom-com I've ever watched. Like that's, that's the kind of rom-com that I like. Um, sure. One that doesn't have that same model, you know, that you see yeah. over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So it's it was pretty good. I I really really liked it. It's got Kevin Costner, Joan Allen, and then Carrie Russell, Evan Rachel. Oh, wow. Yeah, Evan Rachel Wood, Erica Christensen. So I mean, it's got a pretty good cast of those are all uh, daughters of Joan Allen, by the way. So yeah, that like she has. Ah, cool. Yeah. So it's pretty. It, it was pretty good. Anything with Kevin Costner is immediately elevated. So because he's great. Oh, absolutely. Have you watched? Uh, yeah. you, you watched Yellowstone? Uh, no, but I've heard great things about it. Oh, my man. my in-laws love it, like to the point where we like set up their streaming services and stuff for them, and they're like, "If you can't get this to work, we're going to buy the DVDs tonight because we want to watch it that bad." <laughs> like, it was really funny. So, but I've heard really good things about it. Oh man, it's it's the best show on TV right now. Like it's oh. it's so good. High praise. Yeah, okay. for sure. I mean, it's it's Kevin Costner, man, and then you got Cole Hauser who just completely transformed himself from being this squirrely redheaded dude to like this like rugged cowboy man, you know, like man, Cole Hauser has had like such a weird career. Like <laughs> I'm glad he's having a hit. I, to be honest with you, I didn't even know he was in it. So I don't know if that's good or bad for him. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, it's funny. Cause I've been watching that with my wife and then, uh, I saw that days to confuse was streaming and you know, it's one of my favorite movies. It's kind of how I got into link later, but yeah. So, like I was watching it and I saw him on there. I was like, that's Cole Hauser. <laughs> He's just like, there are things I watch and I'm like, Oh, I forgot he was in this. Like I watched pitch black and I was like, I forgot he's one of the leads. Yeah. And I watched it a couple months ago. Yeah. But and then he's in one of the fast and the furious movies. He's like, yep. Actually, I went through those with my wife like two months ago. She had never seen a bunch of them uh-huh. and he's the villain in the second one. Mm-hmm. Yep. The second one. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he's, he has had a weird career. But in, for sure. <laughs> anyway, moving on to the current movie that we are discussing today, which I haven't even mentioned, we're going to talk about The Expendables, all three of them. So I didn't realize until I actually set this podcast that they had announced that there's going to be a Expendables 4 coming out. Do you know when that's going to be? They, I don't think they've announced a release date, but they said they were going to... So, okay, two things. It's a little unclear if it was supposed to be the spinoff or if it's just the fourth one, because Stallone posted a few weeks ago that they were working on the one called a Christmas story, which is supposed to be based on Lee Christmas and was going to be a spinoff. And that's been in the works for forever. And after that Instagram post, there was a bunch of articles about it. And then they announced, Oh, Expendables four is actually going into production. So I don't know if they're kind of combining the two ideas. Regardless, Stallone said that they were trying to shoot this year. So I would imagine Maybe a Christmas release next year if they do try to focus more on Lee Christmas because that would be that would be perfect, you know. I mean, um, that's their big thing is just being meta for the for the sake of being meta. Like, oh man, but I love it. <laughs> it's just so good. Yeah, I agree, and I'm gonna get to that too later on. So first of all, you chose these movies, so why don't you tell me a little bit about you know your history with them and and what you like about them before getting in too deep with it because we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit later, but just kind of why you chose them and, and, and you know, what you what you really like about those movies. When I usually tell people about these movies, I usually pitch them as like the Avengers of action movies, just mainly for the sake of just how many of like 80s or 90s talent are involved, or even today's talent. And growing up, I was a huge, well, even now, I'm still a huge action movie fan. Um, 
even the bad ones are like a guilty pleasure. And uh, I just enjoy watching those a lot. I'm a big fan of fight scenes and a good spectacle on the screen like that, um, especially martial arts. And so when this film came out, <laughs> I actually uh, was not 17 yet. And my mom had to take me to see it. <laughs> and we had such a good time. And, uh, you know, just all the jokes, seeing my some of my childhood like movie heroes all come together. I love them. And I think there's some really great staged action in them as well. And I don't think they're talked about enough. I think, you know, some people just dismiss them as like, you know, these you know kind of cheesy action films. And are they? Yes, to an extent. But I chose them because you can't get much like manlier than getting Stallone, Schwarzenegger and Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren all in a movie shouting one letters at each other. Oh, and Bruce Willis. Like, you know, it's it's great. They're very macho guy movies, and that's exactly what we talk about here. So I thought that'd be perfect. Very nice, very nice. You know, something is funny. I didn't realize that um, Dolph Lundgren, the, the character he plays in the movie, this, like, really, really smart, like, guy like that's like has a has a scientific background, he actually does in real life. Yeah, he's crazy. <laughs> It's hilarious, and I'm so glad they put that in there. Just people are like, oh, that's a weird joke to like come up with in the script, and it's like, no, because he actually does. <laughs> and I don't know how I found that out, but I found it out after the fact. I was like, oh, well, that makes sense while they slipped that in there. <laughs> yeah. But they also make it like a one of the best jokes in the movie because he is supposed to be the smart guy, but then what he does doesn't even doesn't work, so it just adds like another layer of hilarity to it. So. <laughs> yes. Oh man, I actually had uh, I saw the first one in theaters when I was mm. see, 2010. I was 25 at the time, recently married, and I went did not take my wife. <laughs> Me and one of my friends uh, went and saw the movie, and uh, man, we loved it. But then the other ones came out, and I had gotten busy and didn't go to movies as often as I used to and just you know life happens and I, so I never saw the second one or the third one until you had mentioned that you wanted to do this oh heck I'm gonna sit and watch all three of them back to back to back and I did and nice. I had so much fun man <laughs> yeah they really are actually it was funny right when I suggested them to you I had just finished watching through them with my wife because nice. she, she had never seen them and we were just like in an action movie mood and getting to experience them again and seeing her reactions uh were great you know it just it, it always makes it more special when your spouse enjoys it with you yeah that's cool man sadly I, I went through the mcu with my wife recently and she did not like most of them so it's okay. really yeah oh, man like she she really liked the first avenger and she liked endgame and she loved WandaVision. So, like, it's it's more... She likes more of the storytelling. But if it's yeah. just, like, pure action, she's going to fall asleep every time. Like, mm. she likes more drama. And with that, yeah, yeah. especially, like, the first Avenger, that one puts me to sleep. Because yeah. it's just... Anyway, we're not talking about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. We'll get to that eventually. I'm sure somebody will suggest the MCU somewhere down the road. Oh, yeah. But yeah, these movies are really cool, and I've always been a big Stallone fan. I haven't really dipped as much into his filmography as I would like to. I've been changing that recently, and I'm going to keep changing that going forward. But I grew up on the Rocky series, and and then kind of kind of went into the the Rambo stuff too later on. And I just I've always been a fan of his work, and and like 
the way he talks, like he sounds dumb, but he's a super intelligent dude. Like, mm-hmm. and he's such a professional. One of the most underrated actors in the history of acting, in my opinion, from from acting to writing to directing and producing what he does man like those stunts like it's just he's a man's man <laughs> oh yeah i think you and i have had agreements and like conversations on feel and film or other facebook posts where it's like you know when you're talking about the best action stars you know some might have like better movies than stallone but nobody's a better talent than stallone when it comes to an action star in terms of like versatility and what they can do and really, if you watch his more dramatic roles like Rocky or Copland or something like that, he could act circles around most of, if not all, of the action stars, even today. So oh. I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. I do sometimes lean a little bit more Arnold Schwarzenegger just because I had such a, a, an affinity for his movies as well growing up. But in terms of who's more talented, I got to go Stallone. Oh, for sure. 100%. Like, that's the thing. Like Other people have had more iconic movies, although I don't know... <laughs> Rocky and Rambo are pretty dadgum iconic, yeah. man. Like, but you know, Hostel Vista baby, like that's what people remember. Like, yeah, yeah. And Terminator is is an icon, and and you know, Predator um, yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, he's been in some like some bangers, but as far as Predator, huh? Predator is not iconic because of Schwarzenegger. It's iconic because of the Predator. You know, <laughs> exactly. So, like, yeah. there's a difference. Yeah, you could make that movie with Vin Diesel, and it's the same movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm sure they will one day. <laughs> That'll be Fast and Furious 12. <laughs> First, then versus the Predator. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, I hope they don't. I hope they're not listening to this because they will do it. Um, we're already talking about crossing over with Jurassic World, so it's just uh, a matter of time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as far as overall talent, I mean, it's it's Stallone, hands down. Like, mm-hmm. I cannot put anybody against him. Like in as far as action stars goes. Yeah. Versatility is the big thing for him. Like, he could do anything. He could do comedy. Like, he's hilarious. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the only person who would even maybe come close is, like, Jackie Chan. Yeah. And I haven't seen his more, some of his more dramatic roles. That's another person I want to dip more into his filmography, especially pre America stuff, because there's some really, really great films there. Yeah, I've, I've got to dig into that, too. Like, I've never seen Police Story or, like, some of this. Yeah, same. Yeah, I, I, do, I do want to dig into that quite a bit. But I, I, I enjoy these films. But as far as what they can teach us about, you know, being a man and what I've, uh, I've coined the phrase, the manly moment out of these movies. And you can you can pick one, two, three, or whatever. Just, just a, a moment or two that, like, really stuck out to you that we can take some lessons from and talking points or whatever. Yeah, I would say the first one, the scene that always comes to mind is, and you can tell Stallone wrote the first one, because there's a scene in that movie that has no business being in that movie and has no business being as impactful as as it is. And that's when him and Mickey Rourke are having the talk about like the girl he's, he encountered on the bridge or whatever, and he didn't do anything. And how, how that informs Stallone's character arc in the film and the decision he makes to pretty much risk everything and live up to his, this code of honor of, you know, being a man and and being a soldier and like what it means instead of just being another gun for hire. Um, I always thought that thought that was really powerful in informing his decision to, to go back and to save uh, Valena or whatever it was called. That's probably the manly moment that sticks out to me in terms of like emotion. Cause (laughs) even my wife, I paused it after that moment. She was like, 
that was randomly like really amazing. <laughs> like just what it does. That's the first one that comes to mind, at least in the first movie. Um, what about you? Same. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I just, I wanted to read that in its entirety because like it really stuck out to me and it was definitely the, 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 the biggest thing for me in the entire series is when he goes to see Tool and Tool set Tool is Mickey Rourke's character, which I know you know that, but yeah. he says, uh, spoiler warning, anybody listen to this, come on, you've seen these movies. He says, you remember that time when we were in Bosnia, we took down the, them Serb bad boys. <laughs> all our guys were getting chopped up all around us, and there was blood everywhere. I never thought I was going to make it out of there, and I, I kind of feel like, you know, dead too. You know, my head's all very... You know, in a black place, and so I'm not feeling no pain. But what you said, he's talking about this girl that he didn't rescue that he could have. Okay, so she yeah. she looked at me, and I knew she was going to jump. And you know what I did, man? I just turned around and kept walking until I heard that splash, and she was gone. After taking all them lives, she was one that I could have saved, but I didn't. And what I realized later on was if I had saved that woman... I might have saved what was left of my soul. Man. Deep. <laughs> That's some deep stuff, right? And the performance was good, too. It wasn't just, like, good lines hidden behind a crappy performance. It was Mickey Rourke who really sold that. Yeah. He really and, did. And what's funny is when I was when I was looking that monologue up to talk about it, man, there's an article, and I'm not going to say what website, because <laughs> I think one of our friends actually works for this website. <laughs> oh, okay. But it says, it's basically, it says, you know, most out-of-place scenes in movie history. And it's like, it kind of bashes it. It says, I mean, it talks about how, how impactful it is or whatnot and how, and how deeply emotional it is. And then it says, but why it's out of place, for about a hundred of The Expendables' 103 minutes, is pure, unapologetic, nostalgia-fueled B-movie schlock. But this scene... Rourke delivers his soul-stirring monologue and all the conviction you'd expect from a movie gunning for Oscars. And though it's an incredibly well-acted scene, it feels jarringly awkward in a film that saw Stallone and Jason Statham nonchalantly melt a bridge full of soldiers just five minutes earlier. (laughs) What's otherwise a dopey, fun action movie briefly grinds to a halt as it stops to consider the psychological consequences of war, and it couldn't clash any harder if it tried. A great scene, but a great scene in the wrong movie. Man, I could not disagree with that more. I'm with you. I, I find that to be a little bit unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, to the film because I think and I, I think this speaks into kind of how I feel about the, the trilogy as a whole is that these are the the B movie schlock with you know the big spectacle and fight scenes but there's so much heart behind these that goes into them that I think sets them apart from your typical action movie that may you know come out on Netflix nowadays or something like that mm-hmm. um, I think it really gets you more invested especially with the banter and like some of the emotion and how they sell it yeah, I couldn't disagree more. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And what the thing is, what's funny is I think that was just kind of like a, for me, it was Stallone and Rourke basically saying, hey, look, I know you think this is a, me, a B movie, but y'all need to remember, we are still legit actors who know our craft and know what we're doing. Yeah. We're just old and having fun. <laughs> like, yeah, I thought that, sure. I feel like that was their, them just kind of nodding at the audience. Hey, look, <laughs> we're still real. We're just having yep. fun. Like, uh, yep. 
but that scene though man just it's absolutely perfect yes it does feel kind of out of place but what you said earlier about how it completely influences Stallone's actions going forward yep there's more weight on his shoulder there's more reasons for what he's doing and i feel like it's a turning point that's the word i was looking for it's a turning point and if it didn't draw you in like that in this oscar worthy performance it wouldn't be as impactful for the series so i mean if if you remove that scene from the film like his motivation for going back would be like very weak and with that one scene you completely buy it it, it, it just works. I think another one in the first one, since we're just talking about the first one right now, mm-hmm. this is a lesser one, but it hit me as we were talking, is when Jason Statham, when Lee Christmas, the character, goes and sees his girlfriend or whatnot, and he finds out that she's been shacking up with another man, been cheating on her. The way he responds, okay, he does go and beat up all the guys and his friends, but that's after he finds out that she's been you know, assaulted and abused by this man. And he doesn't berate her. He doesn't talk down to her he just says you know i'm not perfect but you should have waited and he forgives her and seeing these i just think it's rare to see like yeah you get the macho moment of him beating up all the guys who did the wrong thing but it's rare to see a tender moment from these action heroes Mm -hmm. uh, especially exemplifying forgiveness because they're in so many revenge thrillers i don't know it just spoke to me differently this time and maybe it's because i'm married now and you know and a father but i just thought that was really cool and it was a smart way to kind of showcase the humanity of that character as well yeah, I agree. Uh, I think his his dynamic with that girl, both with that scene and with him beating up on those dudes, like just really yeah. spoke to me because like, yeah, he's the brute macho guy that's going to go and beat up all these dudes. But the thing is, she cheated on him. He could have just been like walked away and said, this is your life now. Yep. You know what I mean? Like and a lot of a lot mm. of spiteful people probably would have. But no, he's like, OK, hop on the motorcycle. We're going to go down. Show me where they are. And I'm not just going to beat up him. I want to beat up all his friends. And that sequence there was beautiful. Like, <laughs> Yes, it was so good. I loved it, 100%. Yeah. Anything else on the first one for you? The first one was my favorite for a long time. I kind of go back and forth. I've settled on the second one being my definitive favorite. Each one is so unique, like in its own way, right? Mm-hmm. And I do think the first one's a little bit overlooked because of the big boldness of the of the cast and how it expanded. But I, I really think the first one's also got some underrated action sequences too. And that, I think, is thanks to Stallone's direction, which I think I, I personally missed in the sequels. But yeah, it's just real real fun movie. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally forgot that he directed that. Yeah, he wrote and directed that one. And I think he wrote the sequels, but... He didn't direct um, the other ones, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, going back to him being multi-talented. Yeah, exactly. You, you definitely see the difference, stark difference in direction from one versus the other two. Yep. But as far as the second one goes, I wanted to ask you this, because I've got, I got some thoughts on, on it. Sure. What do you think the significance is of the lucky ring? And I know both of us are Christians, right? Sure. So, I mean, I know we yeah. probably don't believe in luck, but do you think there's some merit to that? You know, it's one of those things in movies where it's like, it's that MacGuffin where, like, they, they, they if they have it, you know, suddenly they do better. Or they believe in it, so it makes it real. And that's kind of how I take it. Like, I don't put any kind of stock in that, like, personally in real life and things like that. I never have. And, you know, my hope and my faith is in something greater and that, you know, that's in Christ. But in terms of the movie, I think it's a fun callback that they bring up. Um, and I like how in the third one, he gives Terry Crews the lucky ring to, like, help him get better. And he gets better, you know, at the end. I'm spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he also, like, does all these crazy feats without the lucky ring the whole movie. So uh-huh. it doesn't really mean anything. But 
for what it means for his character. It informs, you know, certain moments like with Jason Statham or comedic banter or that he it means so much to him that he would give it to Terry Crews to try to get better. I don't have any like other deep philosophical thoughts about it, but other than that, I think it's a cool nod that they do. Yeah, that was my thing too. Like I just, I, obviously I don't believe that any kind of object is going to bring you luck and get and, and give you magical powers or anything, but sure. I, I think confidence goes a long way though. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when, when you have something like that, that you just kind of cling to as, I don't know, security blanket or whatnot, um, mm-hmm. but it just, it gives you more confidence to do what you have to do. And I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, lucky rings or whatever or idols, but like we all have things that kind of help us along the way and, mm-hmm. and, and give us, you know, a boost of confidence, whether it's, it could be just like a, a compliment someone gave you or whatever. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I get it. You know, I've got something like that. I wouldn't call it like my lucky tie, but I've referred to it. I have a red, like I call it my red power tie. Mm-hmm. And I have gotten four jobs wearing that tie in an interview. So, you know, it's like something like that. Like, do I believe the tie got me the job? No, but it's a real sharp tie and I've had success when I wear it. So you can read into that however you want, but I think it is cool. Like you said. Yeah. Uh, I have this thing that I do when I'm going to a job interview or just any kind of important business type thing. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I get in my car, I put on the Triple H theme song, Time to Play the Game. Nice. <laughs> and i'll tell you what it may not be lucky but it pumps me up <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's a it's a mindset thing it's a mindset know? thing time to play the game you know like it's just ah <laughs> yeah. oh, i love it. it it gets me jacked that's awesome <laughs> but what else do you think sticks out in the second one one thing that it's not a critique so much you know it, they do a good job at least for me making you care about liam hemsworth before he dies and fuels the plot of the movie. Yeah. I always said it would have been more effective if it was someone from the main cast of the first movie. Mm-hmm. And I actually read somewhere afterwards that that was supposed to happen. It was actually supposed to be Tool who was supposed to go on the mission and get killed. Mm-hmm. But Mickey Rourke wasn't available or there was a pay dispute or something like that. So they had to kind of scramble at the last minute. But he has a monologue about why he you know, got out of the military with – you know, I think there was a friendly fire issue or something like that. And just his whole relationship with Stallone, Stallone sees him as like the opportunity to kind of do better, like to kind of pour himself into him and show him not to make the same mistakes he did. And then that gets ripped away. Right. And it makes it a very personal plot, like even more so than the first one, because now they're avenging the guy because they're the Avengers of action movies. <laughs> you see what I did there? But you know, I, I was I always thought their dialogue was good, and then how they kind of bring it full circle at the end with giving his girlfriend or fiance or whatever the money that they that they get. Oh, I thought that was pretty cool. In terms of big manly moments that stick out, other than like the obvious like machismo like one-liners and all, which are plenty in the second one, I'm blanking on something that's quite as impactful as like the scene in the first one. Help me out. Do you have anything? No, I mean, no, I don't think anything is as impactful as, as that scene from the first right. one. But one thing that kind of stuck out to me, though, was, and it wasn't a manly moment because it was a, it was actually quoted from a female. When Christmas is leaving, and he asks the girl and says, why don't you just move on, leave? And she, she responds by saying that this is their home and that the last thing that they will take from them will be their life. So she's... Standing her own, basically, just like, I'm not going to be moved just because of some bully who wants to come in 
you know, like I'm going to protect my family and my home. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to wuss out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm trying good. to, yeah, that, that really kind of stuck out to me in that movie. I think too, you just reminded me of that whole, the whole plot thread with the, the women in the village and all, mm-hmm. you know, their, their whole thing and the, their driving force in this movie is to get revenge, to, to avenge their brother, to do whatever it takes to take down Valon, which I love that the villain's name is <laughs> Valon. I just always thought that was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> like, it's just funny to me. Yeah. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme has actually said, you know, my name was Jean Valon in that one. Maybe they could bring me back and I could play the twin brother Claude Valon. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> But, you know, they encounter these people and they see all they're going through and they decide to actually fight for them and stand up for them. Kind of like the first movie, but to a lesser degree, they set aside kind of their own agenda to make time to really save these villagers and save these people and help them, which I I just think is cool. You know, because a lot of times in action movies, they don't take the time to really show the heart of the characters and why we should root for them. We just do because they're the guys, right? Yeah. (laughs) So I thought that was cool. But what I love so much about the second one is just how many action stars it brings in. And like when Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis are trading one-liners, but it's each other's one-liners from different movies. (laughs) Like Schwarzenegger says, I'll be back. And he's like, no, you've been back enough. I'll be back. And he goes, yippee ki like, That's my favorite part. Because that was like the third time he had said it like in the movie. So it was, it was just funny. And I think the action is really well done. It's not, most of it's not quite as visceral as I, I would say the first movie is, like in how Stallone shot that. But there's still like great martial arts. Getting to see Jason Statham and Scott Atkins like get a fight was really great. Scott Atkins is a very underrated action star in my opinion. If you ever want to check out some of his stuff, he's got some really really cool cool things out there but expect the expendables to it completely embraces what it is i feel like the most out of the three and gives you the most fan service that you could ask for as an action movie buff you know so yeah that's the thing about the second one and, and you mentioned fight scene dude that's the lone van damme fight scene oh yes was epic man like in two different fighting styles like just kind of going mm-hmm. at it just oh so getting, cool. getting to see these two older gentlemen like really flex what they're good at like stallone all those years of boxing with rocky like he gets to show it off and then van damme gets does two back-to-back roundhouse kicks like mm-hmm. it's insane like so cool and they dude they got chuck norris come <laughs> on and then chuck norris made a chuck norris joke <laughs> yeah. what, what did he, it what was it that he said um, uh, he said, uh, I heard Stallone says, I heard you were once bitten by a cobra. He's like, yes. And after three agonizing days of pain, the cobra died. Yeah. <laughs> <I'll just laughs> Remember die. that? <laughs> oh, that was perfect, man. Like, oh, yeah. I loved it. But, yeah. you know, but with that movie, there was so much, the, there was so much just one liner cheesy dialogue that was just like, I just kept cracking me up the whole time. And it, it really reminded me of Tango and Cash. Um, and see, I haven't seen that one, and I need to. Yeah, that that is like the epitome of one-liners. Like it's just the oh, whole yeah. movie, and and it's I, I call it the blueprint for uh, the MCU because mm. um, the MCU's big thing. Like I know a lot of the movies are very well done. But if you if you look at the core of it, its big thing is a bunch of action stars, you know, together doing stuff. But they're all very quippy and all these one-liners mm-hmm. going at each other. Like that's yep. what that's what they do. Well, Tango and Cash did it the entire movie, and like, and in the middle of like fighting or whatever, like 
<laughs> one of my favorite things, and I'm not giving giving anything away here. Well, sure. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't. Yeah, I should just. Leave. No, go for it, man. Okay. It's all good. Okay. So, <laughs> Kurt Russell and and uh, um, Stallone are in this truck, right? And uh, Kurt Russell says, "Well, I've got good news and bad news." And Stallone says, "Well, what's the bad news?" And, and Kurt Russell says, "We're almost out of gas." And he's like, "Ugh." And the good news, and Kurt Russell says, "We're almost out of gas." <laughs> Just, that's great. Like, it was just perfect. Uh, but anyway, like that's what this movie is like. Like the Expendables too. Yeah. Like it's just so much, just kind of banter going back and forth, and it's it's hilarious. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. When I started watching the third one, I actually I don't know. It's labeled as the worst one, but I. I don't know, man. Like, I, I really, really liked it. Like, I, and, and up until today, until I decided that I was going to make a choice and I haven't made it yet, um, I, I, um, had, I had said for a while that I really don't know which one is my favorite out of these three because I like them all yeah. for, for different reasons. Um, but when I watched the third one, like, what really just enamored me in the third one was Mel Gibson. Like, yeah, he's so good. Dude, like i'm a huge mel gibson fan yeah. um in terms of like uh like his movies his him as a director like he's he's another one of those he's on par with stallone i'd actually argue he's probably the better director and better actor when compared to stallone um he's he's one of those action stars that's just as versatile though in terms of his you know so of course you bring him in as as the villain he's going to outshine everybody and i thought jean-claude van damme was a fun villain in the second one um and, and i was going to say too since we're talking about villains that's what i felt like the first one lacked it, it kind of lacked that really charismatic presence i mean uh steve austin is big and menacing but he didn't have quite those the screen presence that uh van damme and then mel gibson does that scene with mel gibson when they capture him in the van and he kind of like taunts them all and goes through the history of like what they did. Dude. So good. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, and I'm, I'm going to go back to this for just a second. Like that's always been my thing with the MCU is, you know, their mm -hmm. villains are, are lacking for the most part, you know, other yeah. than just a couple of them that are good. But like, but then you look at DC and like their movies are built on villains like you know what i mean yeah 100 and that's that's what i love about this movie is like you're sucked into this villain and you can almost kind of like have empathy for him you know like it's just he he just does such a great job man i mean it's mel gibson like, he does more cause there's a scene after they um like attack him or whatever and the part where he shoots terry cruz and he lowers a sniper rifle and he, he gives this look of just kind of like, hmm. and like he lets him cause he shoots him once and then he waits and then he shoots him again. He does more with that one glare, like as an actor and it informs everything you need to know about him. And it just makes him so menacing. Um, that's why I told you, I said, when you watch the third one, you know, you might have mixed feelings, but the clear thing is that Mel Gibson steals that movie and is the best villain from the trilogy easily. Yes absolutely hands down like yeah and it's and a lot of it has to do with how 
cocky and smirky he is the entire time. Yeah. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter. He's He could be handcuffed and surrounded by guys that, are, that want to put a bullet in him, and he's just going to be laughing in their faces. Like, <laughs> and not in a demented, like, you know, Joker kind of way either. It's just in the fact that I still have the upper hand, guys. Just wait, you know, like. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He was, then he pulls the whole, like, how many how many of you does it take to kill these guys? Fine, I'll just do it myself. You know, like, he just, and he sells that. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and it's cool to see Mel Gibson get to be a villain. Because, you know, he's usually the lead or, like, the, the hero or, uh, you know. And so I, I bet he had fun. You can tell he had fun with that performance. Um, yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. But, man, like, they bring in a lot of big-time A-list actors in this one, man. Like I, I was going to say. From Harrison so, Ford to. Oh, man. <laughs> dude, Harrison yeah. Ford was so cool. And then. Well, the fact that Harrison Ford's the pilot, right? Like, that is just, like, <laughs> such a love letter, like, to Star Wars. Uh-huh. And I'm a huge, 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 huge Harrison Ford fan. Yeah. Um, and so my history with Expendables 3 is I went and saw it in the theater. And I remember feeling disappointed. Like the the PG thirteen rating is pretty apparent, even in the unrated edition, which does I think help a little bit um, with the added footage and all. Um, and my biggest issue with it was always the the next generation team or whatever, with the exception of Ronda Rousey because she, she was she did really great. I actually, I would say that's still probably her best movie to date in terms of like what she does. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other guys, like you know, I remember the third one. There's the uh, the tech guy. He climbs up the tower for like the entire action scene, and then they all just get up there once he gets up there and leave and go in the helicopter. I'm like, why did you just climb up that for <laughs> 20 minutes? But you know, either like forgettable to bland, but not necessarily bad, with the exception of Antonio Banderas. <laughs> Dude, he. Okay, so I have a friend. Um, so I, I, I make, I've made short films and stuff growing up and, you know, I'm, I'm a videographer now and my friend, his character in a series of films we did was almost a dude, I kid you not, like an exact recreation of Antonio Banderas and Expendables 3, but we did it first. So we went and we're like, oh my gosh, it's Brandon. Like, so it had a personal connection. There. All that to say, when I rewatched it with my wife, I went in with really ex- low expectations and I had way more fun than I remembered. And I, I think I even said in my letterbox review, I am comfortable saying that it's actually un, pretty underrated. Um, and it was overly hated on, in my opinion, because there's so much good, like Harrison Ford, Antonio Banderas, Mel Gibson. Those three reasons alone are just perfect. I don't want to steal all the thunder, though. So, no, no, you're fine. Keep um, these, these are your movies, man. Um, and, and I agree, like Banderas, like he's just. He cracks me up the whole time, man. And he's just so funny. Yeah, he's he's so great. Like, but but you can that character though. Like, you can kind of you kind of understand him though. Like, you, you understand where he's coming from. Like, he's he's the guy that's always left out um, yeah. of everything. And 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 obviously it's because he's so annoying. But yeah. um yeah. but it's sad, you know, like to see the yep. but and the fact that he's completely oblivious to everything too. That yeah. to how annoying he is and the reason why his other teams left him behind because they didn't want to be around him. Um I don't know, like I I feel like a lot of sympathy for the guy, you know. Um, yeah. And I think he sells that. Um 
but he also does it while being absolutely hilarious. Yeah. And then, like, when you actually see him fight, it's like, oh, he's actually amazing, you know? Uh-huh. And, uh, man, it's just, I never thought I would see a movie that sees Rocky, Han Solo, and uh, Zorro team up. <laughs> you know, like, when, you, when you say it like that, you're like, man, that that's pretty incredible. To go um, up against William Wallace. Yeah, right, exactly. Like, what? Uh, you know, and, you know, the third one, I think, personally, and, you know, if we're, if we're looking at it, like, from an objective point of view, like, Kelsey Grammer's in the movie. I don't know why Kelsey Grammer's in the movie, but he's there, right? <laughs> and uh, he doesn't scream action star to me. But, you know, there's the scene where they're recruiting everyone. There's, like, really bad green screen when they're driving at night. Um, there's, like, way toned down violence, which, you know, take it or leave it, but. It is a little bit jarring when you watch it like back to back with the other two, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's the, like most poorly directed with, and probably with the worst CGI of the three. But that being said, like doesn't mean it's still not a great time. Um, I have it at the the bottom of my personal one, but that's not because I hate it. I just do think it's a little bit lesser than the other two, personally. Yeah, you know, we mentioned Rocky, we mentioned William Wallace, and we mentioned Zorro and uh, Han Solo, but we did not mention Blade, who shows up in this movie. Oh my gosh, how did I forget? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, now I feel bad. But the thing is, like, I, 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 my biggest thing that I love, or one, one of, I, I say this all the time, like, I have so many favorites, uh, but I absolutely love buddy films. Um, oh, me too. It's why I loved Rush Hour growing up, and why, I, uh, and Lethal Weapon, and, and, Yes. Why I got into why I really loved Tango and Cash when I watched it, and last year when I watched yeah. Butch and Sundance, I loved it so much. Um, but to see, and and historically in this in these this series, the buddies have been, um, gosh, I can't even think of the name, Lee Christmas and uh, Stallone's character. Gosh, I'm Barney Ross. Barney Ross, yes, those have been the yeah. the two the two buddy guys. But man, when Wesley Snipes comes on the scene, and he has that knife connection with uh with Lee, Jason Jason Statham's character. Like the banter back and forth between those two guys the whole time is just And dude the the meta moment where it's like, What'd you go to prison for? And he goes, Tax evasion <laughs> Snipes actually went you know, you actually went to prison for that. It's just the way he says it and like And they call him Doctor Death because he's killed so many people. It's just perfect. Like mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I, I love Wesley Snipes too. I haven't seen as many of his movies, but I'm a big fan of the of the Blade films. And um, actually, uh, he's in a really good buddy cop film with Woody Harrelson called Money Train. Have you ever seen it? I think I saw bits and pieces of it. Wasn't uh, J- Jennifer Lopez in that? Yeah, I saw it when I was young, and I haven't rewatched it since. But I remember really enjoying the banter and all in that one. So that's one you should check out. I think you would enjoy. Um, I'll probably do it too now that I'm thinking about it. I think I bought the Blu-ray recently. So Yeah, I, I need to watch that one. I loved uh, Wesley and Woody and uh, uh, White Man Can't Jump back in the day. That was That's that's a blind spot for me. I need to oh, see that one. Dude, it's so good, man. Yeah. Um, but you know, one one thing one meta moment that they missed out on that they could've they could have said at some point, like about oh. about Wesley Snipes, like how he just kinda shows up after being in prison or whatever, they could have said something about him being immortal <laughs> yeah. because he's a, was a vampire. <laughs> that would have been dope. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, they missed their they missed their shot. You know what? If I was actually a little disappointed with how they handled him in the 
like big shootout at the end. I don't feel like he got quite like as many uh, well staged fights and such as others. Um, I don't know why. Maybe I was just expecting a little bit more because you go watch Blade and you're like the dude can fight. Like, mm-hmm. you know. but uh, that that was like one criticism I had as well. Not to get overly critical on the third one. I promise I'm not trying to bash it, but I was a little disappointed because. Wesley Snipes is such a physical presence, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that is true. That would I would have liked to have seen him fight more, because because the dude really can't fight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his his back and forth with uh, with Lee was just hilarious, and yeah. Anyway, it's a big deal too, because it's it's him and Sloan reuniting from Demolition Man, which I I've only seen once, but I loved it. Have you ever seen that That's one? It's a blind spot for me, man. Uh, I've Oh, I, I'm gonna fix it soon because it's on HBO Max and I, I need to watch it. So. That's probably the top five Stallone for me, and I've only watched it once. Nice. Well, top five if we're not counting sequels and stuff because <laughs> it would just be more rocky. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that too. Um, but for me with this movie, as far as you know, what really sticks out, um, and again, this is coming from a woman, uh. Ronda Rousey says, you know, there are different kinds of family. And when it's my life on the line, it's my family that's fighting for me. Um, you know, I, I don't know why people don't get that, but, you know, there are, there are different types of family. Like, and, you know, he left his family behind. Um, and, and picked out these other people that he obviously didn't care about if they you know lived or died and he he left them uh, you know his his usual crew he left them back in America to go fight because he didn't want to be responsible for their death which on yep. on the surface is noble but like when she says that you think well that's my family those are my brothers and you know, they would be willing to die with me and for me. And my biggest chance of survival is with them, with me. And their biggest chance of survival is for all of us to stick together as brothers. Like, so, you know, him trying to do the right thing turned out to be, you know, they still came. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> the, the thing that's is, a good moment in the movie, too. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I didn't even, so go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. I was going to say, uh, I was going to bring up the same, the same thing, not Ronda Rousey's line, but the fact that that he's like, you know, I care about you guys too much to put you in harm's way anymore. And it kind of, when you see, when you look at the trilogy as a whole, like you get where, why he comes at that, why he comes to that decision. But it also, it's noble, but also incredibly selfish because instead he says, I'm going to go find a bunch of young people I don't care about. (laughs) So if they die, it's not on my conscience. And, like, it hit me. I'm like, man, that is really, like, messed up, like, that he does this. And I was like, I don't I don't know how I feel about that. But then that's kind of the point because he ends up caring about them anyway. And you realize – or he realizes, like, who I am is I don't leave a man behind. I don't I don't sacrifice. And, and, you know, I think that's part of why he, like, comes to accept the fact that the other guys want to help him, you know, because he, he, he can't accept help. He, he wants a clear conscience. And it's not about that. It's it's about the brotherhood and about staying together and working together and having each other's back. That being also more important because it's their choice. He doesn't get to make that choice for them. Um, so it's almost like 
not that they were tempting this, but when you look, when you hear about toxic masculinity, right, you know, and you hear about like, well, I'm going to sacrifice myself and take the choice away from you so you don't get to make your own decision and I'm going to go off, but I'm also going to get all these people killed and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's almost like a commentary on that, like maybe not quite so heavy handed or not so intentional, but in saying like, no, that's wrong. That's the wrong way to handle this. We stick together and this is how men are supposed to be. Men have each other's backs mm. and, um, and, and women too. And, um, when you're soldiers together, you're more than just a brotherhood. You're, you're a family. And I don't know, that just hit me differently this time when I watched it. And I, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, after first being like, is he really just saying like, I need to find people I don't care about? <laughs> <laughs> is, is that why they cast really unknown actors in these roles? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, but th- that's my big deep dive for that one, I think. Yeah, and what he finds out though is, you know, a life is a life is a life is a life. You know, you can put any Joe Blow from any country that you've never met before, and if you're fighting together, you're still going to have their back, and and, and you're still going to care if they die. Like it doesn't matter. So like it's almost like he sacrifices um like you said it's a selfish moment because i don't want to have that on my conscience but he's sent there to do a job his best chance to get that job done is with his normal crew that they've done that they've been together through this entire time so it has in in fact really selfish of him to say i don't want to have this on my conscience and it, it didn't really have as much to do with you know them dying you know they could die you know getting hit by a bus you know like i just i don't want you to die on my watch you know what i mean yeah (laughs) so you just reminded me of another moment um of like i thought i thought of a good like manly moment um in in the second one which will play into a comment i have about the third one when bruce willis is like berating him over the phone in the second one and he says you know what church you're not the guy who's going to come down here and be on the front lines and lay down your life. Or, you know, he says something along those lines and it really impacts church. You can tell immediately. And he ends up going and fighting side by side with them. And I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong. You've watched it more recently than I have. What was uh, Harrison Ford's decision to kind of go help? Like what, what played into that decision? Was there a moment like that? I don't remember it being kind of quite that. Um, I don't think it was that now. I don't think it was that dramatic. No, I don't think so either. But, but similar thing, like you know, he says, you know, this is off the books. But we're going to go save these boys, basically, and uh, that was cool. And just, it was brilliant casting to bring Harrison Ford as like the upper, like, uh, guy, and he's a pilot. It's just so, good. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it, that, that that was good. Uh, but yeah, I mean that that was cool that that Bruce Willis did come and join them there at the end. That's probably my biggest complaint about the first one is you get the scene with Stallone, uh, Bruce Willis, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and they talk, and that's it. And then they're gone for the rest of the movie. I'm like, it was really groundbreaking when it came out because it's like, man, because they're like the big three in a lot of ways, right? Oh, yeah. And, and it's like, oh, that I just always like was so disappointed they didn't come back for the finale, and then you get that in the second one. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah, you got the Terminator, uh, Rambo, and uh, John McClane all on – one, one scene together so yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> pretty pretty it's awesome. cool man uh but you mentioned your top five um stallone movies 
And yep. So what, what would you say your top five Stallone films are? And and I know I'm I'm with you. If I had to just say top five without it without putting any kind of qualifiers or rules, they would all be Rocky movies. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah so, same. But yeah. Yeah. Um. For me, you know, when you asked me to make that list today, you know, I was like, man, I've I've thought about making a list like that before. And so I kind of put some more self-imposed rules on me other than, um, like sequels. Like I didn't count the suicide squad, uh, like voice work. I tried to focus on things he's the lead in. Like he's in guardians of the galaxy too as well, but it's a very small role. Um, and it'd be really easy to put that above others. Um, and I realized in looking at his filmography that I actually have, there's a lot I actually haven't seen like, um, like over the top, um, Mm and the specialist and some other ones and you know i know there's mixed opinions and uh have you ever seen and then i'll get to my list have you ever seen his uh judge dread movie i was a kid when i saw it i this one that i want to revisit at some point so it's like universally hated but i remember loving it as a kid mm-hmm. um so because of that though i do remember re-watching it and being like yeah i can see why people hate this but i've got a soft spot for it mm-hmm. but it didn't quite crack the top five so my top five um, at number five, I've actually got Demolition Man because it left such an impression on me when I watched it. Now, whether or not it holds up to that when I when I revisit it, we'll see. Um, but it, what people don't realize, they think it's just another action film, but there's actually a lot of cool futuristic elements, and it's actually there's a ton of satire in Demolition Man mm-hmm. about society and um, censorship and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so when you watch it, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. And some of that. It's really cool. And uh, Wesley Snaps makes a great villain. And number four, and this was probably the one I debated the most for this list. Uh, and number four, I have uh, First Blood Part 2. And I was going to put the first to First Blood, <laughs> the first Rambo, but I always preferred rewatching the second one, even though I think I've only ever seen it fully on TV. So I don't know if I've seen it fully unrated. But I, I just like seeing Rambo actually get unleashed and get show up all his skills and um, I don't mean to sound bad, but actually actually kill some guys, you know, and actually get the fight. Uh, he's in his element in that one, um, and I, I always thought it was really 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 entertaining action movie. And uh, Stallone not only gets to still showcase the the emotional range of Rambo, but also uh, the the action as well. And the next one I debated putting in number two, but I feel comfortable where it is. Um, and number three, I have Cliffhanger. Have you ever seen Cliffhanger? It's been a long time, man. But I, dude, that's one that I I need to revisit because I've only I haven't seen the whole thing front to back, and I watched it on TV when I was a kid. So yeah, I got. If it wasn't for the Expendables two, which I have at number two, is the Expendables two. If it wasn't for that, I would say I would call it Stallone's best action movie because it how they shot some of it, or at least how I remember how they shot it, like with, with the mountain climbing and like some of the shots they get, I'm like, where did they put the camera? Is it all helicopter shots? Did they put it on a line? There's some incredible stunt work in it. And, um, I, I really, um, actually talking about it makes me just want to rewatch it. Um, I told my wife, cause when, when I was prepping, like and thinking about this, I was like, we're going to have to have like an action movie month mm-hmm. where we just go through like Stallone, Schwarzenegger and all, because I've really been itching to rewatch them. So Cliffhanger is great. Um, then I have Expendables 2 and number 2 for reasons already said. And then number 1, and the, number 1 was hard, man, because I go back and forth so much 
on the Rocky series, but I have Rocky two at number one. Um, I, an argument can be made for Rocky one or Rocky two, in my opinion, being the best of the series or even Rocky four. Cause speaking of, I am so stoked for his director's cut that he uh, announced. Yes. I'm, I think we're actually in a minority. Like a lot of, I feel like Rocky four is like a love it or hate it thing, but um, it's great. And if, if we had sequels on here, you know, Rocky four and Rocky one would be on here, but Rocky two, I think um, is a great, it's a great follow up to the first one. Um, I think it's funnier. I think it's got a stronger script. Um, You know, Stallone's direction is immaculate. It's got the best training montage of all time. And it's believable. Rocky's character growth is believable. And it's getting to actually see him win and go the distance because he, he proved he could in the first one, but then he actually does it mm-hmm. in the second one. It's, that it, it always moved me to tears. Um, I, I grew up watching those films with my granddaddy and, you know, um, he's since passed. So it, they always made me think of him. So, yep, that's my top five, man. So didn't mean to take too long on that, but, uh, no, you're fine, man. It's all good. Um, before I get into my top five, I just want to tell you what really beeped me earlier when I was when I was uh, trying trying to put this together. When you search Stallone on Letterboxd, yep. um, the first three movies that come up are, and this is in order by popularity. The first three mm-hmm. movies that come up are Guardians of the Galaxy two, uh, The Suicide Squad, and Men in Black. I'm like, dude, like. Who was he in Men in Black? I don't he was like that. he was like an alien on TV, like like what? uncredited, right? So yeah, like that's... this is why I say he's the most underrated actor in the history of movies. <laughs> they picked three yeah. movies where he does. First of all, he doesn't play a lead. Secondly, you don't he, you just hear his voice in two of them. And thirdly, mm-hmm. you barely even see him on TV as an alien. You know, like come on, people, like watch his movies. They're freaking good, like. Yeah. Like seriously, my gosh, how are those the top three? But anyway, uh, so my um, the only which I had that rule too that I'm not going to use voice work on his on my top yeah. five, and I'm, I'm not going to use anything that he's not a, a lead character. Um, but yeah, I can't do. I started to say I'm going to do uh, a I'm going to put two Rocky movies in there because I was going to say you know Rocky. Before Adrian's death and Rocky. After. <laughs> yeah. I thought about Creed as well, like because yeah. the first both Creed movies, I feel like you could argue, but I was like, nope, they're technically sequels. Yep. I'm not doing I'm that. Not doing it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, my top five is going to be Rock. Uh, let's see. Um, hold on. Let's start from five. <laughs> um, <laughs> number five, we've got Expendables three. Um, finally revealing okay. that that is my favorite one, and. I kind of figured that's what you were going to go. It's just because, man, like they just, all these people come together and it just makes this big explosion. The only thing, only thing that would have made it better is if it would have been more R-rated, more, more bloody. You know what I mean? Like, cause yeah. they toned it down. I'm like, no, man, go all the way with it. And I, I really hope that somehow that at some point they dig up some kind of director's cut that makes it like, you know, legit. I know I've seen the, un, the underrated yeah. version, but I'm hoping there's another version out there. <laughs> yeah and uh, until a month ago i probably would have been like 
mad at you, not mad at you, but I would have been like, oh man, whack, whatever. But now, and I think I noted this in my like little review I did on Letterbox, is I fully can see why any of the three could be someone's favorite. Yeah. Because they each have so much to love mm-hmm. and, and that make them unique. So, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're fine. And I think the biggest thing is I love a really good villain and dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my, that's my big thing. That's why I, part of the reason why I like DC more than Marvel because I love a good, well fleshed out villain and and they did it man mel gibson just knows it have you seen shang chi yet i haven't watched it yet man or shang chi i I was i was gonna go see it tuesday but it kind of fell through and i don't know if i'm gonna be able to but yeah um it is one of the best mcu villains for sure okay cool yeah he he was great good to know noted um my number four actually i'm with you rambo First Blood Part 2 is my favorite of the series. Yep. Um, I just, like you said, you get to see him fight. You get to see him hanging on the side of a cliff and sewing himself together. Like, it's just like, yeah. like it's just so cool, man. Um, and, and I haven't watched it in a while. That's one thing that I planned on doing soon is, is going all the way through. Because I haven't seen Last Blood. Um, I, didn't get, I didn't get a chance to watch that. It's actually a lot better than people say. When you watch the, make sure you watch the director's cut. Okay. It, it adds a really, um, really good like emotional core to the beginning. Um, I will say, when watching Rambo: Last Blood, though, you start to see Stallone, Stallone's age a little bit, mm, and I'm like, oh, it hurts. Mm, it hurts to see. Gosh, man, I, I don't want to think about that. Uh, but then my number three, I've got Over the Top. Which I okay, I, I have not seen. I saw for the first time um, earlier this week, actually. Um, I believe that's when it was. But dude, it's <laughs> it's really kind of cheesy. But is it over the top? It's very it's very <laughs> over the top. Yes, that that is a meta title for the movie. Um, but it's also like I'm a sucker for a good father son movie, you know. And sure, that's what yeah. this movie is a is a has a big heavy theme of a father father son element in it and it just kind of it speaks to me dude um and but the, it is a big macho kind of thing like it's it's a big arm wrestling competition is what it's about yeah you've got to watch it man it's on uh something i think it's on uh, amazon prime see i've been wanting to watch it for a while because um my wife and i watch uh gossip girl together and um but my one of my favorite shows of all time is the oc and they actually have the same executive producer josh schwartz um and i realized recently that that's one of his favorite movies because i've been listening to a uh a podcast about the oc about the oc okay um that's uh it's got the girl who played summer roberts and the girl who played uh did you watch that show i have not oh dude anyway that's neither here nor there but okay. I was like, okay, I remembered them watching Over the Top twice in the OC. But then I also, I didn't realize this, but the name of uh, Stallone's character shows up in uh, Gossip Girl as like a band name, like a, a pretty um, significant band name in Gossip Girl. So like he uses that movie twice. So I was like, I've got to watch this movie at some point. So That's awesome. Finally, I uh, saw that it was on Amazon Prime. I've been wanting to watch it for months. But, dude, it's so cool, man. Like, just, uh, it's it's not like, 
Oscar worthy movie or anything. Sure. But it's Stallone in in his prime as just like this macho dude, and it's just it's just cool to watch, man. Like it's it it's it's a fun one, especially if especially if you if you like that father son dynamic. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Number two is another one that I just recently watched, and that is Tango and Cash. Another blind spot for me. Another blind spot, man. I think it's still on HBO Max. Um, I've actually got the Blu-ray. I've, I have a bad habit of buying movies I know I'll like, and then I don't watch them. <laughs> you know how it goes, the backlog. Uh-huh. And, and I mentioned, uh, I think I mentioned earlier the reason why I like this is just because it's two, like, legit action stars who, who can hold their own, but they're just on the screen, and they're 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 in a legit action movie but they're just having fun with each other with the banter yeah. back and forth the whole time and it's just and it's the epitome of a buddy cop movie like yeah and it might be it might be actually the first buddy cop movie because it was i don't know when lethal weapon came out uh it, it probably came out before then but it is technically the last movie of the 80s um what year was a uh, tango and cash 89 Okay, a lethal weapon to eighty-seven. Okay, I just looked it up. Okay, but so yeah, um, I, I, it's just I, it's just a fun a, a fun ride for, for me. Sorry, what were you going to say? I need to watch more Kurt Russell movies. I haven't seen a lot of his action stuff. He's good, man. He's he's yeah. he's legit. Uh, but number one's got to be hands down. Cannot compare, in my opinion. It's Rocky, the first one, and. Uh, it just because I love 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 sports movies, but this is not a sports movie, and, and I keep telling my wife she needs to watch it, and she's not a big she's not big into sports movies, and I keep saying, look, this is not a sports movie at all. This is a love story, like yeah, like and, and it's oh, dude, and and it's an underdog story, and it's just like this guy who's just like a ball buster. Who you know breaks people's kneecaps uh, for to to collect on people's debts or whatever, but he's he's a street guy like, and he just kind of boxes for fun. He he does he does this like to see him get this one shot, this one in a million shot to like take on the champion of the world, and just the the uh, I don't know his training that he does is like un- mm-hmm. unorthodox. And, but he, but it's just, I don't know. It, it's, it's one of the, probably in my opinion, the greatest underdog story in the history of, of film. And, 100%. and to know that, um, that Stallone wrote this and he took it to the producers and, and they found it. I think they found a director at first and said, okay, um, but I want to cast, this person as Rocky said, no, I'm Rocky. You know, yeah. I'm doing this movie. So yep. he's like, screw you. I'm finding another director. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he, yeah. he just, like he, he just kept on going and saying, cause look, I'm the guy. Like, and I don't know anybody who could have done it. Like it just, yeah. he was absolutely perfect for that role. And, but just him, his relationship with, with, uh, um, Adrian, and just that, that the friendship that developed with him and, and Apollo really started with this movie um, with 
just the respect that he had for him and he didn't have before he at first he just didn't yeah. he, he just knew him as a chump you know but just the fact that he goes from where he was to taking him 15 rounds and having to lose by a decision which nobody had ever done before like yeah. it was just man it just it, it, and it's such a personal story for Stallone too cuz i mean he was like near homeless when he was shopping that script around you know i remember reading an interview years ago he was like you know which of your two biggest characters do you want to be remembered for rambo or rocky and he was like rocky rocky's me rocky's my baby like rocky saved me from starving like you know it's just and like i told you i was i would go back and forth between rocky one and two because i'm also a firm believer that you could actually edit those into one like four hour epic mm. like underdog story it'd be really easy mm-hmm. really really easy i've actually thought about doing it myself but, yeah um it's uh yeah that that's a great number one and the first rocky would be my number two if we included sequels yeah um uh i just think the um they're, they're co-equal the first and second one command so great pick man I, you're absolutely right in everything you say mm-hmm. good list yeah uh, i appreciate it and, and what you said about rocky four i think i think we're in the majority i think more people like it than than don't but i think the people really? i think the people that don't like it are just really vocal about it you know like and, yeah. and i'll admit like it's kind of cheesy in a lot of ways oh. but it's just like I don't know. He's at this point to where I'm, I, I could go on about Rocky, but I think every single film, even five, every single Rocky film uh, is as a display. It represents a different moment in his life and a different turning point in his life and where he is. And it just like it, everything matches what that person, like fictional character would be doing in real life. And it's just it's just perfect. Like, and I even Rocky Five, it's as dumb as it is, <laughs> but it's it's still yeah. like it's legit. Like this would really happen, and you know the only way he would be able to beat this guy is in a street fight, and he does. But anyway, so I'm, I'm you want to hear something funny about Rocky Five? What's that? So uh, when I was a kid and I watched these for the first time, I binged them all on a weekend on VHS tape with my granddaddy. And I watched Rocky Five, and I was—I've always been a huge Star Wars fan, you know that. And I know we d- disagree on the prequels. Um, I'm the big prequel guy, but I remember watching Rocky Five and saying, it, "This is the same plot as the Star Wars prequels." I was like, "He gets a student, the student uh, starts outgrowing, the student turns on him, and then he has to defeat the student at the end. It's Revenge of the Sith. This is Rocky Revenge of the Sith." And I just remember going on that rant. <laughs> All the time as like a ten year old, and like you just reminded me of it, and I cannot wait to get to Rocky Five and go on that rant with my wife. It's so fun. Except it came out before that. I know. That's, that's the funny part. Like you mean as a kid that comprehend that? That's hilarious, man. I yeah. love it. Um, George Lucas watched Rocky Five and was like, "Huh." Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but actually, you know, when I was a kid, see, I, I wasn't into Star Wars, so I didn't see that connection. I, I didn't get into Star Wars until I was older. Um, oh, okay. It, it was a very, very late blooming thing for me. Uh, but, gotcha. I, but I do love Star Wars now. Um, sure. But growing up as a kid, like, Rocky Five was my favorite there for a while. Like, oh, yeah. I don't, I don't mind admitting it. It was just because, like, just to see him beat 
Tommy Gunn that street fight at the end was just cool yeah. to me. You know, like I don't know, I don't know why I liked it so much. It was weird. Like, <laughs> yes. my favorite part in Rocky Five is when the um, I don't know if he was like the lawyer. I haven't seen it in a long, long time. When he goes, "Touch me and I'll sue," and Rocky just uppercuts him <laughs> onto the car. I'm like, that is great. I just love it. Yeah, that was perfect. Um, yeah. I need to. We, we should do a Rocky episode for. Oh, man. Like a a two-part episode or something, because I don't think we can do that in one. Yeah, for sure. There's too much there. Like I said, I think you could divide them out with uh, before Adrian's death and after Adrian's death. Yeah. Yeah. One through four, and then five, Balboa, Creed, and Creed. Um, How do you feel about Stallone saying he's not going to be in Creed 3? I feel like it feels wrong to me. It really does. It does. I don't... I'm hoping they'll give him a cameo or something because I don't I don't feel like we properly said goodbye to the character yet. Like he's got to be in it. Yeah, it, it would at least a cameo. It would be so wrong if he wasn't in it, like for real. Yeah. So I don't know, but uh, but man, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah, this has been a lot of fun, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Um, why don't you t- just real quick just tell them how they can you know, get in touch with you or, you know, what, what kind of projects you got going on. I know you do a podcast, right? Or like, uh, some kind of bit, yeah. uh, YouTube show. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Lamont actually, and I, Lamont English and I, we started a project called nerd city central. Um, we primarily do YouTube, but we also post on Facebook and it's, it's in a podcast format, but we focus more on video than, um, strictly audio. And uh, you can check us out on YouTube and Facebook. We cover um, pretty much whatever we feel like covering. <laughs> we've done uh, Star Wars rankings. We've done uh, Smallville rankings. We've done uh, theory videos and um, really just covering what we love and what we're passionate about. And um, you can also find me on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, I'm also going to plug my letterbox. Find me at Coordinator1. Um, I... I'm actually at a, th- a point where I try to review almost everything I watch, even if it's just brief, because um, the goal is for me to eventually get back to doing video reviews. I used to do video reviews on YouTube, um, and then I'll have content to pull from. So, uh, yeah, man, we. Uh, I'm also going to plug um, a podcast I'm a part of regularly. I'm a co-host on. It's called A Certain Point of View Podcast. It is a Star Wars-themed podcast um, with my – uh, who, which was founded by my buddy Michael Hoover, and we do everything Star Wars on there that you can imagine, and uh, we have a great time. So, yeah, a lot going on. Uh, <laughs> sometimes it's hard to it's hard to say yes to everything, but I can't help it. It's too much fun to talk about, it, especially in the times that we're in now, with a lot of us being isolated and you know COVID changing the world. So, uh, yeah, I understand. And that's uh, Curry Nader, C U R R Y Nader, right? It's a- no, it's actually uh, – so my real name is Curran, C-U-R-R-A-N. I just have gone by Curry my whole life. So it's C-U-R-R-A-N-A-T-O-R-1. Okay. Uh, and that is inspired by the Terminator. Yeah. Um, I got so, you. Obviously. Uh, but there's, there's that love of action movies coming out again. So. Exactly. And you know what? I, I'm with you. Like I've, I've gotten to – I've gotten to where I want to – review everything that I watch on Letterboxd. And I think I'm, I think I've wa- reviewed like my last 80 entries or something like that. And, yeah. and it's, and I, my reasoning for that was because it's really like, you can't find 
you can see that you've seen something before, but you don't see when you saw it. Like if I saw it last year or three years ago, unless you review it, because then you can go to reviews and they'll say the date. Um, yep. So that's that's my that's why I started doing it too. So yeah, I'm I'm right there with you on on Letterbox, man. I love it. Um, yeah. And and that's another reco. If you don't have Letterbox, you need to get Letterbox. Like if you're in, if you're into it, movies, do it. It was the best decision I've made, like in terms of like an app or whatever in years. Like I I love it so much. It's been it's been cool, a cool community to get into after getting into the feel and film group and everything. And, you know, from all these different groups that, you know, from feel and film to letterbox to, I think you and I are in some other groups together as well on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've made so many friends and that's been a huge part of this because one of the best parts of loving movies and loving, uh, this type of content is the community that comes along with it and getting to have these conversations. Um, that's what I want. That's why I went to school for it. That's why I do what I do. That's why I make films every couple of years when I can. And um, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk about, you know, lesser, maybe not lesser known, but uh, lesser status action films with you. It's been fun, man. Yeah, I, I appreciate having you on, man, again. Uh, but just to, just remember, brothers, you've got to man up. And guess what? <laughs> if you don't man up, I'm going to man you up. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to take your life. We'll see you later.